taken my text from 1 Kings chapter 20. Just one verse there, 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse 28. 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 28. If you have it, say amen. amen. All right, that's about three of you, so I'll give you a little bit more time. That's 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 28. It says, And there came a man of God, and spake unto the king of Israel, and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thine hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. You can be seated here this morning. We see in this text what, what this story is about is that the king of Syria, he had come and he had taken several things from the Israelites. He had taken several things from the children of God. And... Whenever he demands more from them, the king of Israel stands up and says, no, no more, that's enough. So they go to battle. And whenever they go to battle, we read in this text that the battle, the terrain, the, ge the geographical location of that battle had taken place on the hills. It had taken place on a high point. So the, the king of Syria, he reasons out with his men. He says, well, and, and this is what he says about God is the only reason that the Israelites won was because they served the God of the hills. But surely if we attack them in the valleys, they will lose. But the Lord, the man of God, speaks to the king of Israel and says, They've said that God's only the God of the hills. But I will bring victory in the valley and show you that I am the Lord. And for a minute, I just want to preach on the thought of the God of the hills and the valleys. You know, God, we, we, we do serve a great God. You know, though we fail to recognize it, we do serve a great God. It is impossible for me to fully attempt to describe the greatness of God, but He is great. He's greater than we recognize and greater than many would like to admit. Words cannot describe Him. Science cannot discover Him. Philosophy cannot understand Him. He is unsearchable. He is indescribable. He is incomprehensible. He is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all we can ask or think because he, him and himself, he is exceeding and abundantly above all we can ask or think. We serve a great God. He in his nature is above anything we could comprehend or understand because that's who God is. He is great. He is holy. He is high. Psalms 92 and 2 says, or 99 and 2 says, the Lord is great in Zion. He is a he is high above all the people. Psalm 113 and 4 says, The Lord is high above all nations and in his glory above the heavens. Isaiah 45, it says, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. And I am the Lord and there is none else. He is God alone. No one can match him. No one can challenge him. There is no one that can take his place because no one gave him his place. That's the God we serve. Have we forgotten that we just don't serve some God, but we serve the one true God. He's not a little G God, but he's a capital G God. The one true in 1 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, I heard Brother Torbert talk about this whenever I was watching a live from the home church. It says, And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon. 
and set it by Dagon. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. And when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to them. Aren't you glad that we don't have to pick up our God like they did, but our God picks us up? Aren't you glad that we don't serve a God that we have to put his broken pieces back together, but we serve a God that does that for us? He's not just any God, but he's the one true God. He has no rival. He has no equal. He is God, and he is God alone. You have to understand that many have tried to stop God. But Pharaoh could not stop him. Ahab could not stop him. Nebuchadnezzar could not stop him. Herod could not stop him. Caesar could not stop him. Nero could not stop him. The persecutions could not stop him. The church of Rome could not stop him. Philosophy, science, and religion cannot stop him. Hitler could not stop him. The leaders of England, France, and the U.S. cannot stop him. Kings, presidents, and princes cannot stop him. The serpent the dragon cannot stop him and you can't stop him he is a great God that's the God I serve and let me tell you something the God we serve is the God of the hills he is the God of the high times he's the God of the mountaintop experiences if you have your family if you have food on your table if you have breath in your lungs you have a reason to praise him. I believe that if you have those things, you're on the mountaintop. I'm, you have about resting about 60 to 70 reasons why you should thank God every minute. I have about 140 right now. It's my heartbeat. <laughs> but we have reason to praise God. He has set us on the mountain. He has blessed us. He has given us those things in life that sometimes we overlook. But that's just because he is a great God. He is a great God. He's God of the hills. I feel as though we take most of those things for granted. But let me tell you something. If you have those things, you're on a hill. Because those things are not guaranteed to you. They're not promised and you don't deserve them. We could live a life being a good person. We could do good deeds. We could live our life. We could live a perfect life. But yet we would still not deserve the blessings of God. I've often said that if God never did another thing for me, but he just sent his son to die on that cross and make a way for me that I could live in heaven one day, he's done more than enough for me. He's great, and he is greatly to be praised. And he has blessed us so greatly. All these good things in our life are not because we deserve it, but because God put us there. God gave us each and every blessing, each and every breath, and each and everything we have. And our only proper response to the blessings of the Lord is, the only proper response to what the Lord's given you is just give it back to Him. It's not yours anyway. That family that He's blessed you with, Lord, here it is. It's yours. I can't do it on my own. I'm just going to give it back to you. If the Lord's blessed you, the only appropriate response to the blessing is just giving it back to God. And we can do that through our praise, through our worship. We can magnify Him and say, Lord, my life is not my own, but I lay it at your feet. I give it all to you. 
Hallelujah. He is the God of the hills. He is so great and greatly to be praised, not only for putting you on the hill or mountain, but simply because of who he is. Psalms 96 and 4 says, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. You see, he was great before he saved you, but he's greatly to be praised because he saved you. He was great before he saved that family member, but he's greatly to be praised because he saved that family member. He was great before he delivered you and saved you out of sin and set you on the rock to stay, but he's greatly to be praised because he did those things. He was great before he healed you, but he's greatly to be praised because he heals you. He is great and greatly to be praised. He was great before he set you on that high point, on that hill, before he brought the victory on the hill. But he's great to be, greatly to be praised because he brought that victory for you. I believe that we do serve the God of the hills. I believe we serve a great God, a mighty God, a just God, a righteous God, a holy God, a loving God, a merciful God. I believe he's all those things and so much more I couldn't even begin to describe him in all of his greatness. But I believe that just because your situation changes doesn't mean that my God changes. Yes, he's God of the hills, but I believe that we serve also the God of the valleys. We see that Ben-Hadad in this text was trying to disprove that very fact. He said, you know what? Israel won the battle because it was on a hill, but let's take them down to the valley. Let's take them down to a low place. Yeah, they worship you, Lord, whenever life's good, whenever you, they got the blessing, whenever they're walking an easy walk. But let me take them down to the valley. Let me bring them down. Let them lose that job. Let that family member run away. Let that person turn their back. Let this or that happen. And I guarantee they won't serve you like you did. Situations change, circumstances change, but my God never changes. And I don't care if you're on the mountain, and I don't care if you're in the valley. He's still worthy of it all. He's still worthy of that praise. In that song we were singing, it's, we've lost a lot of things. And in this text we read that the king of Syria had come, and he had taken several things from the king of Israel, from the Israelites. But there was a moment where he had to draw that line. And the devil may have taken certain things from you. But we got to draw the line and say, yeah, devil, you're not taking my praise. You're not taking my joy, my faith, my happiness. But how many of you know that we go through those valley experiences? I believe that Brother Jacob said it right. Do we have any real people in here? Do we? Have you ever been through the valley? Or am I, am I a lone walker? Do I walk through those things by myself? Do I go through the hard times alone? Is there anybody else that's faced some troubles, that's faced some trials, that's gone through the fire, that's been in the desert, that's been through the wilderness? That's part of life. We walk through valleys. We go through low points. How low those valleys get sometimes. When the bills keep stacking up, when the people keep turning their backs on you, Leaving you when you can't find joy, you can't find happiness, you can't find peace in life. When your world just seems like it's falling apart. Those valleys get low and they get hard and they get troubling. I'm not going to act like I've walked through each and every one as strong as ever because I haven't. 
But in those times, I think about David. Whenever he was writing Psalms 23, he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And I wonder how could David write such a thing? And it's because, yes, David understood the valley. He understood the trouble. He understood the problem. But more than all that, he understood the God he served was greater than any valley that walked right there with him through it all. We have to understand that, yes, God sets us on the high places. He puts us up. He puts us on the mountaintops. But God also walks with us through the valleys. And he's the same God of the mountain as he is in the valley. That's who God is. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You know, a lot of times we go through valleys not understanding why. Why am I going through this? That's a question we all ask sometimes. I've asked it several times. Why am I walking through this valley? Why am I going through the trouble? Why do I got to face this tribulation? But one thing God's assured me of is it's never about why you're walking through the valley. And it's never about how you're going to make it through. But it's always about who's going to take you through. And there's never been a time that I've been in a valley that God has not seen me all the way through. He didn't bring you to it to leave you there. But he wants to bring you all the way through that valley. I think about that scripture, the valley of the shadow of death. And I think, why was it called the valley of the shadow? When I thought about a shadow, simple thought, I thought about a shadow. And I thought about what causes a shadow is whenever there's a light on the other side. And yeah you, yeah, you may be walking through a valley that has some shadows in it, but that just means that there's a light on the other side. That God's making a way for you that you might not understand how, and you might not see it now, but He's there for you, and He's made the way. He's paved the way through the valleys, and He's still so victorious, even in the low points in life. I'm not a very long-winded preacher. If somebody could come to the piano... And if y'all could, could y'all sing that song again that y'all sang right before we got up here? You know, sometimes the devil likes to lie to us and say, you know what? <laughs> You're only serving God now because, because you have things in life. And sometimes I, I feel like that, that might be true in some cases. But if I could just give you a little bit of encouragement... He's still the same God in your valley. He's never changed. He doesn't change. The situations may change. The reports may change. This world could fall apart. But my God never changes. And let me tell you something. In the valley, he's still great. And in the valley, he still deserves the praise. And in the valley, he still deserves the worship. If we could all stand here this morning, and my altar call would be this. Yeah, I've seen people praise on the mountaintops, and I've seen people praise in the valleys, but I think that there's something special about somebody that'll get down to this altar in the middle of their battle, in the middle of their struggle, in the middle of the bad report after bad report after bad report, but they'll still come down to this altar, and they'll throw up their hands, and they'll say, God, you're still worthy. You still deserve my praise. I could lose it all, but I'm not losing my praise. 
There's something special about what I like to call that ugly worship. Whenever you get down here and it doesn't matter if everybody else is doing good, you say, Lord, I'm going through it, but I'm still going to lift you up. I'm still going to exalt you. And they get down here, snotty nose and all, and they just lift up their hands and say, God, here am I. You're still worthy. You're still great. You are still God. And my altar call is this. Is there, is there anybody in this house that would say, you know what? Uh, I'm going through a valley. There's some things in my life I just don't understand. I don't know how I'll make it through. But if you just come down to this altar and you'd say, you know what? I'm going to worship through it all. I'm going to recognize that God is the same through it all. Would there be somebody that would step out and say, I'm going to worship you no matter what. I'm going to praise you no matter what. Would there be some people that would come down and offer up a worship in the midst of your valley, understanding that God is the same? Would you just come down and lift up Jesus, lift up the Lord, praise Him, magnify Him. Oh, let Him guide you. Lift Him up in the midst of my valley. I'm going to praise you. In the midst of that struggle, I'm going to praise you. In the midst of that uncertainty, I'm gonna praise you. When I don't understand, I'm gonna lift you up. I never lost. 